Welcome, friends, people for peace, pods of consciousness, planetary citizens, wherever you happen to be today listening to local news in social artistry, right here on KOPN.org, your local community radio station in Columbia, Missouri. I'm your host, Dick Dalton, and each week we have the pleasure of talking to someone who's building a more humane world from the inside out. And I'm reaching back into my past uh, this time with a, an old friend, Andre Grinston, who has moved along in his profession. Thank you for your time, Dr. Dalton. Um, as stated, I am employed with Lincoln University, uh, and currently I serve as the Director of Alumni Relations. So. Lincoln University, my uh, old teaching grounds uh, for 30 years, uh, but I didn't meet you there, I don't think. I th yes, you did. No. You were my health uh, professor when I was there in the 90s. Oh, my goodness. So, yeah, so I remember you, and I remember you uh, during health class. You It was a handshake, and you did the, um, the teaching on shaking hands and public health and how that made an impact in reference to uh, hygiene and if individuals were clean. And I remember that. So I do remember <laughs> your course. <laughs> I don't know if I was doing the wellness bump back then, but. Uh, I... No, you were not doing the wellness bump. Okay. Well, I. You were shaking hands. <laughs> and that uh, particular session was talking about shaking hands and uh, personal hygiene and mm -hmm. if individuals are not. Uh, practicing uh, self-care or hygiene, um, you yeah. could possibly have whatever they were um, normally yeah. doing. Right. You know, I have, must have just gone to this conference down at the lake where uh, the workshop leader had put uh, sparkles on one person's hand, and they didn't tell us about that. And we were supposed to just meet and greet throughout the room and shake hands with people and say your name and so on. And after about 15 minutes, she took back over again and she said, okay, now uh, just check your hand there. Do you have any sparkles on your hand? <laughs> Everybody had some sparkles on their hands, which was making that point, which I didn't do that in class, uh, the, the visual part, but that's, that was a, a very uh, profound way of expressing that idea. And I later evolved to the wellness bump, as you just uh, displayed, uh, and uh, kept But um, I do remember meeting you at Lincoln University as well as in the community during yeah. dinner theater. Yeah, we were on stage together, as, as I recall. Yes. I think the main one I... I we're, were you in Dreamgirls? No, I Not was in Ragtime. Ragtime, right. That was really early on, right. That was that was my first experience. Um, and I was actually Cole House Walker. And I played that part. And that was something that, I mean, it was demanding and it was great. And that is a big commitment, but it was so gratifying. I really enjoyed it. And it was a powerful show. Yeah, I mean, the messages that were displayed in that, and I think yeah. 
I I was some banker or something that you. Know. I remember you were. <laughs> I was not the good guy, <laughs> but it, we had a good time. We had a good time. I, I then remember you singing chestnuts roasting on an open fire in our Christmas show. Yes, the Christmas song by Nat King Cole. And um, during that time, I remember Rob was trying to get me back into uh, dinner theater, but my schedule was so busy. Uh, originally, when I started doing dinner theater, probably in the 2005, 2002 era, I had one daughter. And then by that time, he wanted me to get involved a little bit more. I had three daughters <laughs> and it just was not fitting my schedule. <laughs> Um, yeah. but the interesting thing about it is, is I have a, a group or a community group that normally have a Christmas celebration every year. And for the last couple of years, they've requested that same particular song from, um, seeing me, um, presented during that, uh, capital city event. Cool. Isn't that cool? It so, is. So ragtime was when we were back at Ramada Inn. <laughs> doing shows, dinner show, dinner theater shows. Yes. Christmas uh, show was when we had just moved into Shikles. Uh, yes. And now Capital City Productions is over at a new theater. So you're going to have to come back and grace the, the third stage uh, of our uh, existence in, in Jeff City. You know what? I would, it would be an honor and that would be perfect timing because I will complete my PhD December of 22. Ooh, wonderful. So, Congratulations. Yeah, thank you. So that would be perfect timing because I would have graduated by then and I would uh, not have a lot of uh, things, mm -hmm. not a, a lot of things on the burner. Right. Not as many. Yeah. Yeah. It's always busy in my life, but that's good. <laughs> well, three daughters, my goodness. Uh, I think you're uh, driving here and there. I think you said yesterday uh, there was a basketball here and there's something going on. Yeah, we had basketball practice and I picked one up from basketball practice and then took her somewhere. And then my wife was taking them out shopping. So I dropped them off and then I picked them up and then took them to lunch. And <laughs> it was quite the busy day. So by the time I finished, um, it was uh, quite a bit of a run around. But one thing I do uh, is I try to make sure that I do invest in myself at the beginning of the day. Um, so I do really try to practice self-care. So I did uh, get a really good workout in that morning mm -hmm. um, and uh, was able to exercise. Good. Now, uh, do you follow uh, any of our local exercise folks or do you have your own routines i know richard cross does uh, his routine and then we got Corey duckworth he's on facebook live doing his in the morning uh wh what do you got going for your exercise well i really don't follow any particular um exercise guru um i do know Corey, and i see him at the gym often probably just about every morning. Um, and I know Richard because we work at the university together mm -hmm. uh, and see him often. But I really, uh, I've, I've been going to the YMCA for years. Um, I'm on the board at YMCA. So um, I'm a YMCA uh, lifer. And then yeah. I'm all, also uh, the vice president for Park and Rec's commission. And you know, that's part of the link. Um, so I'm not um, affiliated with 
going to the link, but I do believe in it. But I um, actually have a membership at the YMCA and I'm there probably five to six days out of the week in the morning, um, just working out. And I really just try to adjust my diet. So it's really just, um, you know, doing that in the morning, taking care of myself and adjusting my diet and uh, really just trying to make those uh, health conscious uh, decisions, because I know that that's the most important thing. Uh, one one thing I tell individuals that self-care, it is the best investment um, that you could make in yourself. So I really try to practice it, especially this time of the year. I uh, used to say, if you're not taking care of yourself, somebody else is going to have to take their time to take care of you. So it really is a, a uh, loving thing to do to take care of yourself so that you're available to help others. Otherwise... Uh, you know, you're becoming a part of the load to carry for somebody else. <laughs> Absolutely. And you know what, uh, Dr. Dahl, one thing that I remember, even when I fly, you know, with the stewardess, what do they tell you first? If, you know, accident, you need to put your oxygen on. What do they tell you first? Put your oxygen on first right. before you help anyone else. Mm -hmm. So it is so important, I think, in this day and time when a lot of people are really wanting to help others, uh, one thing that I'm very passionate about is helping others, and you know that. Yeah. But I'm also very um, passionate about making sure that I practice self-care and taking care of myself. Because when I'm take when I take care of myself, I'm a better husband, I'm a better father, I'm a better student, I'm a better employee. Um, I'm just a better individual because I have been able to take that time um, to take care of myself. And really, normally that's. Um, right now we're on holiday break, but other than that, I'm at the gym probably four thirty five o'clock in the morning. So oh it's rather early, <laughs> but it's, um, I think, you know, I, I've done some research and a lot of individuals will say individuals that are, um, high achievers, they have morning workout regimens or they have a morning regimen. So there is, uh, some, some philosophy behind that, some research behind that, but I can tell a big difference, even though I am not uh, going early in the morning at 4.30, I'm productive, but I do know that when I'm going before work, I'm more productive because that workout regimen in the morning really does get your day started. And it, it kind of just sets your mind to uh, a place of success. I'm curious, uh, I mean, Starting that early in the morning means you go to bed earlier at night, hopefully. <laughs> yes, sir. So you wouldn't believe. So I'm going to bed probably probably around 8.30, 9 o'clock. Wow. Um, because I'm getting up probably. My first alarm goes off around 4, 4.30. Mm -hmm. uh, and I try to be out of the house somewhere around that time and um, get there and get on the treadmill, get my workout done. Mm hmm um, but yeah, I'm, I'm really up, um, around that time, but I do go to bed around eight thirty nine o'clock. Now, how are you able to attend all those LU basketball games and, uh, <laughs> and keep that schedule? <laughs> well, what I would do is, uh, when I would attend the game, um, normally those games end probably around nine. So I would go, uh, but normally that's not every week. Yeah. Right. So you can kind of balance it along with everything else that you have going on with community meetings and board meetings. And I have, you know, school work and 
Uh, then I also have to travel for school. So all of that is uh, in moderation that you just have to balance it. But yeah. I make the most important thing is, is my one, st- my one place of stability is uh, my self-care. Mm-hmm. Where did you come from when you came to Lincoln? Where did you grow so, up around here? Uh, no, I am not originally, I'm not a Jeffsonian. Um, I originally came from Southern Illinois, hmm. uh, from Cahokia, Illinois. Oh, yeah. um, and I came here in 1993 mm-hmm. on a music education scholarship. Uh, and at that time, Mr. Mitchell was the music professor and he came to our, our school and recruited. Awesome. And I came to Jefferson City, uh, Lincoln University. I had never heard of Lincoln University I really had never heard of Jefferson City. You know, of course, it's the state capital, but I think a lot of people that live here in Missouri, um, they are aware of Jefferson City. um, But when I was in high school, I knew, you know, the states, but it wasn't like a place that I thought that I would go to school nor uh, spend 20 plus years here. (laughs) Right. Raise a family and so on. Yeah. That's great. Yeah, Dr. Mitchell, or Mr. Mitchell, I guess he, he didn't get to the doctor level, but yeah. he, he was he was a doctor. <laughs> he was some type of man, I remember. <laughs> so I walked into uh, Richardson Auditorium, where the music uh, building is located, and I walked in, I just had so many fun, this was recently, I just had so many fond memories of Mr. Mitchell as I walked by the choir room, I was going to talk to uh, Miss Galbraith. Oh yeah, Miss um, uh, Gigi. Yeah. And literally, as I walked in, I thought, "Oh my goodness!" I remember so many vivid memories of Mr. Mitchell. His number one thing because we would go on tour during spring break. Yeah. And um, of course, if you uh, to go, you actually had to know your music and sing. Um, so he would go down the line, sing your part. Whoa. Sing your part, just like I thought. You didn't know it. Go to the practice room. So when I walked in to the Richardson Auditorium, the first thing that came to my mind was go to the practice room. (laughs) What a great memory. Wow. (laughs) Yeah. So um, I can't say enough for Mr. and Mrs. Mitchell. I mean, the discipline um, that they instilled in me. Uh, I am still utilizing it and pulling from it. And I realized back then um, that discipline, it is a transferable skill. Um, And that has really been able to allow me to do a lot of things in my career uh, because of what they taught me um, and the tenacity and um, not wanting to give up, but to persevere through it and, um, yeah, just very, very vivid memories. And I'm grateful um, for all that they've done and um, all the professors. Uh, but yeah, I came to Lincoln University in the 90s, mm-hmm. uh, originally from Southern Illinois. Yeah. And you did you graduate in music ed or did you switch your major? No, I did not. Uh, Mr. Mitchell, I mean, uh, Dr. Dahl and I eventually changed my major to business administration. Mm-hmm. Uh, and at that time, I changed my major uh, because they were, meaning the public school systems, were counseling out all of the music programs Ooh. in public schools. Oh, wow. 
So at that time, um, I knew of individuals that were getting out and they were unable to find a job. So I changed my major to business administration. Mm -hmm. Um, But as you know, I still have a very uh, fond love for music and arts and Mm -hmm. um, just enjoy it. Mm -hmm. Wonderful. So uh, let me uh, reintroduce you to our our listening audience and and folks thanks for joining us today on Glocal News and Social Artistry here on KOPN.org your local community radio station in Columbia, Missouri which uh, let me just mention that uh, I got to walk through our new building uh, over on Bernadette Drive uh, yesterday well it was Wednesday and uh, this is the first time that KOPN has its own building and won't be having to pay rent, uh, et cetera. So uh, anybody that wants to help support uh, our new uh, building and, and get the campaign, keep it going. We've got over half of it paid for. Uh, so just go to KOPN.org and, and uh, uh, contribute what you can if you like these uh, shows that are locally produced and uh we have some syndicated things too but uh you would never get to hear uh i'm going to go ahead and call you dr andre grenston because you're going to be a doctor uh within a year uh the director of alumni affairs down at lincoln university and uh, an old uh colleague of mine in the theater and an old student of mine that he reminded me of uh, back in the 90s. Hey, Andre, great to have you on the show today. Thank you. It is my pleasure, Dr. Dalton. Thank you for having me. So you uh, graduated with a a business degree, and I uh, remember you were, you you always dressed to the T, and one time you were passing by my uh, peace vigil down at the post office, you know, uh, decked out as you always are, and often with a, a, a hat that, uh, I think you must have a, a closet full of hats because they're always, <laughs> I, I, if I see a hat, I'm thinking, oh, it's Andre, he's, he's probably under that hat. I remember bumping into you at a at a luncheon out at that place across the river, and you had that hat on. And I said, "I know who that is." <laughs> but you, that time when I saw you downtown, you were working in in some kind of a state uh, job. Is that correct? Yeah. So originally, um, after graduating from Lincoln University, I worked in uh, corporate America for about two years in a management training program. And then after that, I was um, actually getting ready to have the opportunity to relocate. Uh, But my wife and I decided that we wanted to reside here in Jefferson City. So I started working for the state of Missouri. Mm -hmm. And my first uh, career opportunity was working for the Department of Economic Development. And I worked in business development. uh, And at the time, I think when I met with you, I was probably a project manager and I brought uh, you know, companies into the state of Missouri, uh, particularly in the Kansas City area and mm. in the Springfield area. Um, but ultimately, through state government, I worked in economic development for about 12, 12 to 15 years. And I worked in almost every capacity. I worked in business development, workforce development, community development, 
I, uh, mon- I mon- monitor the uh, AmeriCorps grant for the state of Missouri. Hmm. So as you see all of these great uh, humanitarian efforts that are going on, these um, individuals and students that are coming in, they're serving and they're serving their um, their time and getting different awards. And um, so I was uh, administrative in that. And then I ended my state career right um, probably early 2000. Um, I worked for the state treasurer. And I was the business development manager. And at that time, um, I actually uh, assisted in building and regulating the Missouri Link Deposit Program. And that was about a $332 million portfolio um, that I had the opportunity of managing and assisting in. And uh, I covered the entire state and represented the state treasurer. So that was uh, my um, take in state government. And I enjoyed it because it was definitely uh, the work for the people. And that particular job um, gave me the opportunity to go into banking. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I uh, was vice president of commercial banking for Regions Bank mm-hmm. for four years after that. Um, and I covered from Columbia all the way down to Branson, Missouri. Mm-hmm. Um, and I did that for four years. And then after that, I went over to Lincoln University uh, as vice president of institutional advancement and alumni relations. And I did that for about three years and transitioned over into the director role most recently. Mm-hmm. So um, I've had a, a blessed career. I will say that I have been favored um, to do um, some good work. Oh, indeed, indeed. Uh, when you were back in economic development, did you uh, travel out of the country to help bring folks uh, to work here or how did that work out for you? No, I did not. I actually did um, actually state work, local work. So I covered the entire state. We There's another arm or another uh, area of economic development and that's international marketing. Oh. So I knew them individuals. I, there are my colleagues and they would do international um, trips and they would plan, you know, trips in Europe and bring you know, China and trade and all of that and, and uh, getting those things established internationally. But I worked more on the local domicile, bringing companies and um, dollars into the state of Missouri. Mm-hmm. So let's say, for instance, in the Kansas City, Missouri, that Kansas City Power Light uh, District, originally when I started in the 2000s, that wasn't there. So that was one of the areas that we developed. Uh, bringing those infrastructures in, but also those dollars into the state of Missouri. And most of them were tied to job creation. So as we're talking about, we know that most of the um, jobs are created by entrepreneurs, but also there are jobs that are created by bringing in new resources into the state of Missouri. So a lot of consultants, a lot of different uh, companies, if they were looking to relocate, we would present a um, tax credit uh, portfolio to them and provide them with what incentives we had available to uh, attract them to come into the state of Missouri. Right, right. And uh, as you look at the situation of Missouri today, uh, do you have an evaluation? How are we doing in terms of uh, economic development and uh, are we holding our own? Are we uh, gaining a little? Are we losing a little? What do you think? 
You know, I really have not um, been following much, but I do know that uh, economic development, it is the heartbeat of every state. Mm -hmm. And as we are talking about how we are going to rebuild, I was just talking with a gentleman and he was talking about um, entrepreneurs. And then he linked into um, something about economic development. Everything that you look um, that is going to provide some place of stability, even with education, uh, even with entrepreneurship, it is economic development. So I would say uh, right now, as we're looking at how the state is developing, I know that um, within the next year, few years, and even now that agriculture, it is Missouri's number one uh, cash cow. Oh, so wow. agriculture, it is the big thing that we are doing and selling here in the state of Missouri. Mm -hmm. But then also on an economic development um, standpoint, I know that job creation is one. Mm -hmm. But also we look at because of some of the national pandemic things that we've been hit uh, and we're maneuvering through that um, that job creation is there, but then also you have um, a job shortage of individuals that are wanting to work. Uh, and a lot of companies, they are having challenges in just getting skilled workforce, which is something that is a workforce development opportunity. Um, you look at the entrepreneurship where a lot of people that probably were in the workforce that are looking to start their own business. Mm. Um, so we have a lot of scenarios that are um, that are evolving. But I also know that some of those are just within um, different um, age groups and different generations, because now the generations are saying that they will move where they want to work. They don't just take a job because the job is offered in their location. Mm. OK, so a lot of those things are changing where individuals would probably work one job for 30 years. Um, all of those things are changing. But I do know as far as the state of Missouri, I believe economically um, on the economic development standpoint, we're doing well. Um, I do know that agriculture is our leading product um, that we have to offer. Well, I have two uh, maybe controversial uh, follow-up questions then about agriculture. I just, I, I don't know if it's true because it's hard to know what statements you, you read in the news are, are true sometimes. But uh, do you know if it's true that China has uh, purchased, we, we have allowed as a state legislature, China to purchase uh, quite a few farms uh, in Missouri. Is that uh, something you were aware of or is it? I do not have any inside information on yeah. that. Mm -hmm. It was, topic. you know, with agriculture being so big and hearing that we might be encroached upon by uh, a foreign government uh, owning our land. For agriculture, well, anyway, you can see where my mind might go with that. Uh, <laughs> the other thing, a little closer to home for you, is uh, there are either some truths or rumors about Lincoln's um, devaluing or, or not having as much investment in our agricultural department there at Lincoln. And the... Uh, the uh, I don't know if it's in faculty or if it's in uh, 
majors, you know, do you know anything about uh, how we're doing with agriculture as, as a major and extension? Well, I will say as far as Lincoln University and our agriculture department, it is actually one of our leading opportunities, one of our leading degrees. Um, you, you Within the USDA, we have received, um, it's the 1890s um, scholarship, and we actually, meaning Lincoln University has received the most dollar, most uh, number of dollars from federal government to provide full ride scholarships to students um, to major in agriculture. Oh, wonderful. Of course, they are trying to encourage um, individuals that are attending our university that are minorities to get involved into agriculture, but we receive the most um, resource in reference to that particular program than any other institution here in the state of Missouri. So I would say that in our ag, we are doing very well. Um, and there are always um, so many other grants, so many other uh, things that are going on as far as our research, you know, about our aquaforms and the things that we've done. So I would say if we had to pick a program, um, our agriculture program is probably one of our leading uh, products that we have to offer to the citizens of Missouri and then also on a um, statewide and then national level. Well, I'm glad to hear that. I, I was kind of worried about that because I knew in the past it had been um, really important and uh, well supported. Yeah, it is. And then as you know, we, um, meaning Lincoln University has one of the, one of a few organic farms. Mm -hmm. So we do have an organic farm. Um, mm -hmm. We, by USDA, federal government, we have been designated by uh, their standards that we are an organic farm. Mm -hmm. um, we do a lot of research in quinoa and a lot of um, and a lot of the other things. So I know even as we've been talking about doing more research and research on hemp and those different things, uh, we have all that stuff going on at the university. Yeah, my wife. Uh went out to one of the farms with learning and retirement uh, for the hemp tour uh, to show uh, yes. how that research was being conducted. Mm -hmm. Yeah, she was very happy to have done that. Uh, so yeah. I, it was new to me. I didn't know that was part of the uh, research going on there. Yeah, you should take some time out. I mean, there are some really cool things going on out there. The research, even at the aqua farms. Uh, the trouts, I mean, trouts is as big as, I mean, just so big. I mean, they're not like this. They're like huge. I mean, you probably can't because of this, but they're huge and they have a lot of um, things that are going on out there that I think of people, particularly here in Jefferson City or in the surrounding areas are, are not aware that Lincoln University is doing. So when you say aqua farms, are these like ponds or are these tanks? They are, or? They are both. So we have ponds outside and then we have tanks inside. Mm -hmm. um, so there's always some type of research going on at the aqua farms. Mm -hmm. Great. Yeah, I, uh, I remember down at the small animal research, uh, there was a woman that was working with the tanks and... Mm -hmm. uh, aqua farm type thing but it was a small scale down there uh back at the time so it, it sounds like it really has taken off yes it has grown mm -hmm. excellent excellent well you have uh when you when i first introduced you today you 
I mistakenly said that you were the vice president for institutional advancement, which you had been. I had been. That is correct. Now, there was, again, uh, this might be an opportunity to help us uh, understand there was, again, some controversy over that institutional advancement area because it was like a separate part from Lincoln. It had its own. I can, can you just give us a little nutshell of, of what's going on with that? Well, that is actually true. That was uh, the foundation. And at the time, that was actually uh, the foundation. It is an exterior part of the university um, that was the fundraising side um, and more so doing fundraising for the university uh, mm. on the outside. Institutional advancement is a, is under the umbrella of Lincoln University. So mm. there would have been um, at that time, and this was years ago, and there have been some adjustments. So it's probably not even um, about having discussion because they are back at the university. Oh, okay. So yes. it, it's all one happy family. All now. one. Yes. <laughs> okay. That's good to hear. And just as a, another follow-up, uh, is Liz Morrow still part of your... Yes, Liz. Well, Liz Morrow is actually, uh, she is a coordinator of student services now. Oh, okay. So, yeah. So she, uh, which is, that is her love. She enjoys the students and mm -hmm. helping the students. So she is, I mean, even when she worked in advancement, she was really more so taking care of the students and the alums. But ultimately, she is working directly with the students. Well, great. So great. that's good. Yeah, I've, I've told her I need to get her on this show, too. She's been such a dear, uh, I had her in class back maybe about the same time I had you. and Yeah, you did. She was in biology or some sciences, and then... Yeah, she was a biology mathematics major. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and then... Started working for LU and, and still with us. It's great. Yes. Yeah. Okay. I, I can't think of any more LU hard questions for you. Well, that's <laughs> but, fine. Your office, though, is over in the Alumni Center? Yes, it is. Yeah. That nice little building between Founders. Yeah, and that's a house. very nice building. Uh, it was erected, I think, in the 90s. Mm -hmm. um, and at that time, I believe Mrs. Simmons... Mm -hmm. um, was the director of alumni relations. Um, she and Dr. Simmons are very good friends of mine. Actually, Dr. Simmons is a mentor of mine. Mm -hmm. And as I've been going and returned back to the university and been going through my PhD program, he's been very instrumental in assisting me through the process. So I'm very grateful. Uh, and you will understand this. So I understand now as coming back to the university as an administrator, it is a lot different from being a student. So Dr. Simmons, I, he was one that I marked um, as a uh, professional. So when I come back um, and walking around, um, I sometimes feel like I'm graced with, you know, being a Dr. Simmons in that environment. And really, I mean, he's one of the ones that I remember wearing hats. So when I put my coat on and head on, I think, wow, this is like a Dr. <laughs> Simmons moment. So <laughs> great. Yes. Well, well, Joe Simmons was uh, the kind of guy that uh, for, during my 30 years there, 
I, you never knew exactly what his new role was because he was the one that they would pick to, we need somebody here for a while and okay, we need to move you over here now. And, and he could do anything, you know, he's yeah. uh, quite an adaptable and a wise uh, administrator. Helped me a lot. Yeah, and that's one thing he's told, he's taught me and he's stated, he said, you know, sometimes you need it here, sometimes you need it there. Uh, but my whole ultimate um, goal, I realize even whatever I do, it's about the students and it's about helping human humankind and uh, being a humanitarian and a philanthropist, but really extending uh, what has been extended to me. Yeah, and uh, that's what this show's about is... Uh talking to people who are building a more humane world. And I think you're a fantastic example of that. Uh, well, thank let, you. Let me just uh, mention again, your name is Andre Grinston. That's G-R-I-N-S-T-O-N. How do people find you? Do you have a, a web page? or you, I know you're on LinkedIn and you like that a lot. Uh, I am on LinkedIn. So uh, as I told you, I am uh, pursuing my a terminal degree. Mm -hmm. And at the time, I was very um, heavily involved on Facebook, and I had really no presence on LinkedIn, but I removed myself from Facebook uh, because I needed to spend more time in books and uh, study and research. Mm -hmm. So now I am strictly on LinkedIn, but I can tell you there will be something uh, coming out soon. There will be a website, and I, once that is... Um, Formed, I will make sure that we have more conversation because it really is talking about being a humanitarian um, mm. and um, um, helping them um, really to become the best individual that they possibly can be. Um, so for me, um, that is something forthcoming. I don't want to get ahead of myself, but I will tell you that something is forthcoming. Mm. It's coming right around the corner. <laughs> yes, it is. Hey, what's your? I'm excited. What's your dissertation about for your PhD? So my uh, dissertation it is on philanthropy. So it is hmm. a philanthropic study on uh, the major characteristics and motives of individuals that give major gifts to institutions of higher learning. Oh, so you have access to uh, pretty accurate data right there in your profession, right? Yes, I do. And I am, I'm using other institutions and I have colleagues across the country uh, that I'm able to gain information and um, some of their uh, donors. So it is a world of its own. But when you think about um, even in uh, philanthropy, it's really just in someone's giving so that um, they can extend or persevere or preserve something that they really um, desire and they want to see, you know, manifest. Mm -hmm. Yeah, an old friend of mine out and has been out in San Francisco now, Dick Scopper. He was the head of philanthropy for Grace Cathedral, uh, that big really? uh, church out there. Yeah. So is that the church? Uh, they had like several locations, and I think the sun is over the church now. Well, it's it, all I know is that you go up this steep hill, and it was sort of at the top of uh -huh. that hill, and uh, well, a, a landmark in in San Francisco. Okay. Right, wow. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. 
So uh, there's a lot of money around in this world, and, and it's good that we have some philanthropists. <laughs> it, yes. It would be nice if somehow there was more trickle-down of uh, money <laughs> instead of so much trickle-up. <laughs> Well, I do believe that there are individuals that um, want to give to every cause. You just have to find what individuals are passionate. Um, and once you find out what they're passionate about, you are able to um, really uh, extend what they want. Because really, it's like um, adrenaline. It's like um, endorphins. When a philanthropist gives, it is really like they are releasing endorphins. They have that same experience from an individual that when they work out or someone who uh, has that behavior, when that needs met, it's just like, wow. So for a philanthropist, they are giving because one, they can, but more so it is like an endorphin experience. Wow. So, uh, yeah. So it's not just a write-off. No, it's not just a tax write-off. <laughs> Some people utilize it that way. Um, but individuals who go from uh, giving just a one-time gift to a, you know annual gift and then to a planned gift, and then they go to a bequest mm -hmm. um, and leaving individuals in their will, that is someone that is really a philanthropist. And once you find out what they are passionate about, um, they're not just giving just because of tax write-off because they could give anywhere. Um, and, but really to have um, the impact, it has to be something that they really enjoy. Mm -hmm. Excellent. Excellent. Um, two things uh, to kind of end out our, our conversation today. Uh, one is you mentioned you're on a number of boards in Jeff City. Uh, yes. Does that include uh, Boys and Girls Club still? Are you? Yes, it does. Good, good. I uh, have a granddaughter that's over there uh, after school most every day, and I. Oh, really? I'm happy to hear that you uh, are part of the uh, board for that. Yes. I, I also get to recycle all of their cardboard. They, Kelly, saves me the cardboard uh, every day. Oh, she and, does. Uh, yes, she does. We we started that relationship. Uh, Back at uh, in 2019 or 20. I so that would have been when Stephanie, Stephanie was the director. Well, uh, Paris, uh, I, I had talked to Paris, right? Mm -hmm. and, and so we sort of set it up with her first. And then all of a sudden Kelly's there. And, and of course, Kelly was a student of mine back in the day. and uh, Right. But at the time, I'm talking about the executive director. Yeah. And I never met. Uh, Stephanie. Yeah, you have to meet uh, the new director. Uh, his name is Wade. Oh, okay. So you'll have to meet the new director. But yeah, absolutely. Um, the Boys and Girls Club, they are doing great things, um, having a great impact in the city. Mm -hmm. And I know as we were going through the national pandemic, just making sure that the students had, you know, the meals and um, those things that they needed, it, it really made a big difference. Even mm -hmm. when schools were closed, they were feeding students. So were, yeah. I can't say enough for what they are doing in the community and um, the bridge that they are building. Great, great. Along with our, our newer group, uh, Building Community Bridges. Uh, I don't know if you've interacted much with uh, Doug and, and Alicia. 
Uh, I have interacted with them a little. I know uh, Felicia actually just recently joined the Park and Recs Commission, uh, which I serve on. Mm -hmm. Um, And I work closely with her on the Park and Recs Commission. Mm -hmm. But um, I know that building um, community bridges, they are doing great things in the community as well. There are so many great. And that's another thing. So at one point I had gotten off one board. To get on another board, <laughs> yeah, right. And, uh, and I thought, well, let me figure this out. So uh, now I, I really will commit to the individual and not the board, mm-hmm. uh, because I'm on so many boards. But I believe it's easier to commit to uh, assisting in the development of the director mm-hmm. um, than being on the board when your time is limited. So that's what I've been doing because I'm in, I'm at my maximum. Yeah. So I've been um, mentoring some yeah. of the directors of the, the not-for-profit boards. A very practical decision. That really makes a lot of sense. Yeah, the personal touch. Yeah, yeah. because, I mean, they really, I mean, they have a lot of things going on. They're trying to um, maneuver yeah. through. Yeah. So if I could help them maneuver through and not be on the board, that's great. Yeah. Um, because, yeah, there's only so many hours of the day and so mm-hmm. many... Um, day of the, days of the week. Yeah. And uh, the whole other part of your life that we're not talking about, some kind of ministry work that you've done in your life. Yes. Uh, can we bring in the foundation of your heart? <laughs> Absolutely. You know, I believe um, the, the Bible says out of the heart, out of the, the bountiful of your heart, the mouth speaks. Mm-hmm. So really what people see um, and me being, you know, genuine and trying to give and trying to help, it is, you know, that's what I've been taught, but really that's what I try to practice. And uh, do you uh, sing at your church or you said something about your Christmas song, but uh, what, what kind of involvement do you have? So, um, yes, I do. So uh, my wife and I, we serve in leadership at our church. Uh, We're not uh, the senior pastors, but we are um, one of, you know, the pastors there Mm -hmm. and uh, just serve in leadership and assisting. And I do sing in our uh, praise and worship team, but just being able to uh, help out and lead people and assisting them and living life. Mm -hmm. Didn't you all get hit with a tornado? We did. Our church was totally destroyed. It was demolished. Mm -mm -mm. Uh, But since then, uh, we have built, and um, the church has been open um, since um, Easter of this year. Mm -hmm. And it's up and going, and um, actually, uh, things are moving along. Is, Is it in the same location? Same location is on um, Heritage Highway, and it's on seven acres. So last, when the tornado tornado hit, it was on a smaller part of the parsage, and now it's a larger building, but it's on that same seven acre lot um, out there on Heritage Highway. Yeah, how do you uh, find in your work? I know it's all you, and you don't silo your your faith over mm-hmm. here and over something else over there so i'm sort of picturing you 
waking up in the morning at your four o'clock or four thirty, <laughs> and and that there's some kind of a, a spiritual beginning to your day. Do you have some of that going on along with your physical exercise? Uh, I do. I do. So in the morning when I'm getting up, uh, normally I'm waking up, but I'm also um, getting to a place of prayer. Mm -hmm. Um, And um, sometimes I may be awakened to get up and pray before. Mm -hmm. Um, In seasons of my life, I've um, been prompted um, to get up and pray more um, before that four o'clock. But when I'm waking up, I'm, you know, I'm praying. And at that time, I really, it's kind of like, quiet hours because normally my house is quiet so I can get up and, you know, pray and um, spend time, you know, with God and, Mm -hmm. and just being able to just enjoy that time because my wife and my daughters are asleep Mm -hmm. and I'm able to go to the gym. But the thing about that is at the end of my workout, I have more time Mm -hmm. where I have like quiet time um, and I'm able to you know, do more praying and um, more strategizing for the day. And, you know, some of the times it's just like, really, it, it prepares um, me for the day that's ahead. I don't know what's going to happen, but normally as I prepared in my mind and my spirit and I've mm-hmm. gone, you know, in prayer, I just know that as I'm going into that day, there isn't anything that's going to happen that I that God can't handle and it's going to be a great day. So it really is that morning regimen. Um, that I said, when I'm waking up, it's not like I'm just waking up and, oh, let me work out, but I'm waking up and in my mind, it's really preparing me in prayer, preparing me, uh, as I'm doing some study. And then at the end of the workout, I'll have more time where I can, you know, probably do, uh, more, uh, uh, a Bible reading, mm-hmm. but it's really have drawing my mind in and clearing my mind sure. uh, before the day starts. Excellent. Well, Somehow you have just uh, triggered another question, <laughs> and it takes us back to Lincoln and to your present job and to a question that I've actually had for 30 years, and that is we've had a lot of white graduates at Lincoln University, and I noticed for years and years that the alumni line seemed to be a celebration of mostly our black graduates. And I wondered if there were, how, how do you see, now that you're in this position, the, the working of, um, working with the white alums and, uh, how, you know, making them feel or helping them feel, not making them feel, but helping them feel more welcome into um, the legacy that uh, was founded at Lincoln University? Well, one thing I do know, I think uh, as we are talking about Lincoln University, um, the importance and the staple that it serves in the community and the state and the country is not a black or a white uh, thing as we're talking about it, but it is really our alums are fabric of who we are. So for me, I mean, I don't go out and just said I'm going to talk to, you know, a black person or white person. I talk to people. Mm-hmm. So even as we're talking about in interacting and um, sending out information to our alums. Really, um, our alums are um, diverse, just as Lincoln University is diverse. So for me, 
in any job that I've done, I've always been in a place of working in diversity. So mm-hmm. this particular position isn't any different because for me, um, I understand the importance of it when I worked at economic development. Um, as you can imagine, at that time, I probably was the only African-American working at economic development as a project manager. <laughs> um, so I understood the importance of that, but I also represented the entire state of Missouri. Uh, when I was uh, at the state treasurer's office, I was not um, white like um, my particular, like the treasurer, but I represented him. So I understood the importance of all of that, and I understand the importance of diversity. So for me, working along with all people, it is important. And I, I for me, I believe I do that well because I'm a lover of people and not just because of their race. No, I, I totally... Uh see that in you what i i'm kind of asking about is uh you know uh, atlanta has a great alumni association and uh i don't know chicago maybe and maybe i don't know some other places i i wonder where there are alumni associations that have a population of more white grads than what i'm thinking are mostly out there in my well that possibly would be here in the local area most of the i would say the diversity the large population of the um, white alums would be local um, and they do have the opportunity to join the local alumni chapter and visit and also become a member okay so there is there is a local uh, yes, there is a local, there is a Jefferson City alumni chapter, and they are more than welcome to join and become a member. Yeah, and how would someone find out about that? Um, they can go to Lincoln University's website, and there's a list of all of the chapters, and they oh. can actually contact the diver, the uh, president of the their local chapter if they are in. Mm-hmm. Kansas City area, the Jefferson City area, or if they are in the Atlanta chapter, um, they are more than willing to contact them and find out about their upcoming meetings, uh, which they all have monthly meetings. Yeah, great, great. Okay. Well, I I might uh, have some people to direct that way. I, I know I've had a, a little trouble sometimes navigating Lincoln's website, uh, finding the right way to access, uh, you know, whatever I'm looking for. So I know it's a work in progress and, and uh, it will continue. Do you have, by the way, uh, Andre Grinston, almost a PhD in, uh, what's that? Oh, uh, it's going to be- Higher education. Higher education. Oh, so yes. even though, yeah, your dissertation's in philanthropy more focused, it's related to higher education. Mm-hmm. Say there are some people listening that you might want to give some words of wisdom to um, in their journey. Maybe they're, you know, college age or even uh, high school. I don't know who listens all together. Uh, So can you take out uh, the rest of the show uh, with whatever uh, kinds of thoughts that come to mind for, uh, you know, how journeys work and what people might think about doing. Tough question for you. Well, 
One thing I learned about life, sometimes life, um, it is not about where you start, but it is where you finish. And sometimes individuals want to take the easy route and they don't want to put in the work to accomplish the goal. Uh, but I want to encourage anyone to know that regardless of your background, regardless of your history, regardless of what you have encountered in life, that there is still hope and that there are still opportunities that are awaiting you. However, you must believe that where you are right now is not the end of your story, but is the beginning of your story. Um, and moving past what you can see um, into something that you cannot see, mm -hmm. that you're able to um, make the best of every opportunity. And sometimes you think that life is not fair, but I can guarantee you that in some of the worst seasons of your life, you are going to gain some of the best tools that are going to enrich your life as you mature and go through every season. So I want to encourage you to um, move past where you are. Uh, don't allow this season. Um, there have been a lot of things that have happened on the national level with the national pandemic and things that have happened and individuals may have um, transitioned out of their life. But that doesn't mean um, that your life is over. And as difficult as it may seem and as challenging as it may seem, I want to encourage you to move past um, your breaking point, <laughs> move past your place of complacency, um, and just take another step to uh, your place of hope and tell yourself that I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Yeah. Beloved, that's all I have for you as we go into this year of 2022. I want to encourage you to know that this is the year of open doors and I'm expecting great things to happen for you. And um, when you see me on the streets, you know, my name is Andre Grinston, but share with me all of those great things that are happening to you. Congratulations and happy new year. God bless. And Happy New Year to you, Andre Grinston. Uh, talk to you soon, man. Appreciate you. All being right. With Thank us you today. so much. Okay. And remember, friends, wherever you are, that is your world. Uh, please leave your world cleaner, more peaceful, and more loving than you found it. Because if it is to be, it is up to us. So take care. Talk to you soon. Happy New Year.